Hi, it's Hal Anderson. Thanks for checking out the daily podcast for my show, Connecting Winnipeg. And if you can, please listen live weekdays from 10 to noon on 680 CJOB. All right, we'll get to the Rogers outage in just a second. We've got a couple of callers on crime here. Jessica and Andy at 204-780-6868. Yes, Jessica, go ahead. We lost you last half hour. I'm glad you're back. Morning, Hal. I hope you're doing well. I just wanted to chime in about, um, I think the solutions need to be focused more at a provincial level, particularly I think Heather Stephenson needs to be called out like Danny Smythe has been. I work in the health region with youth in mental health, and the issues lie in family crisis, they lie in CFS, they lie in access to community resources, they lie within uh, limitations on First Nations, and I mm-hmm. think that is where the focus has to be. I appreciate some of what Danny Smith said in this talk that they can't stop at all. And I don't even sure. know if you continue to put more cops out. I think you're always chasing. They're always cops are always going to be sort of a reactive um, option. Where I think some of the proactive things really lie at the provincial level. Um, yeah, I just don't think they'll ever get ahead if they keep focusing on how to sort of stop the problem in the moment. You need to figure out how to stop it before it happens. No question that we need to work on the root causes of crime, and that takes time. And we need to work on the system, too. I guess my, even Heather Stephenson, and she's had some missteps, right, with the media. I don't think Heather Stephenson would get in front of a microphone and on camera and with all those reporters in a room and say, there's nothing new, you know, after what we have seen, especially at the Forks, the rash of violent incidents at the Forks over the past little while. And I think that's what's rubbed a lot of people the wrong way about Chief Smythe and even Mayor Bowman before that when he spoke last week. But you're right, Jessica, you make some great points. I think short term, you're right, we can't police our way out of it, but I think we can put some more cops, redeploy some cops, get them on the streets, and maybe do something in the short term about what we're seeing. And maybe I'm wrong. I'm just putting it out there as we try and focus in on solutions to the violent crime in Winnipeg. Let's get Andy on at 204-780-6868. Yes, Andy. Good morning. Hi. I'm uh, just here from B.C. I've been here for six weeks now. We have the same problem out in uh, British Columbia in the lower mainland uh, specifically in Vancouver, uh, Surrey, New Westminster area. We have a lot of homeless people. We have a lot of drug drug addicts. We have a lot of people living on the streets. Now, I was involved with uh, a group because the crime was so high. um, And it boiled down to, after the research that we did, it's the judges not putting these people in jail and keeping them there. If there was harsher penalties for these people doing these crimes, I believe, personally, it's my own opinion, um, a lot of these uh, uh, harsh crimes that are going on may be deterred quite a bit uh, from what they are now. Yeah, and we hear that from a lot of people, and I, and I don't think you're wrong, Andy. Hey, I'm curious, where in B.C. do you live? What city? What community? Um, I used to live in Langley Township. I lived out on a farm for about eight years away, for, away okay. from that. But even still, even still, the residential crime um, it, it skyrocketed, and I and then I moved into a small town called Aldergrove in between uh, Abbotsford and Surrey. 
Yep. And the homeless people and the dr- and the drug addiction and and they're breaking into people's garages, stealing stuff mm-hmm. out of their backyards. It's it's a constant ongoing ongoing. But like we've researched some of the stuff. There's people out there that have a hundred plus charges, but they've never spent a day in jail. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, that's and yeah, so, absolutely. It's part of the, it has to be part of the conversation for sure. Can I ask you, are you just visiting? You've been here six weeks. Are you visiting or have you moved here now? I have moved here now from, from the lower mainland. Um, it's just, uh, a matter of, uh, finances. I'm saving myself 40% every month because of the uh, high cost of living out, of, out, yeah. out in British Columbia. I get it. So let me ask you, Andy, as somebody who's lived in Winnipeg now here for for six weeks, do you feel safe on the streets of Winnipeg when you go out, specifically at night? Are there some areas you avoid? How are you handling it after a month and a half in Winnipeg? Well, so far, I really haven't ventured out to any of the festivals or venues that uh, are available here, and they're quite fantastic. Um, so I really can't make a make an honest comment on that because mm-hmm. oh, I, I I I work in the movie industry, so um, I'm pretty much with the movie crew, and there's always security. So I, right. I do feel pretty safe, and I and I live in a good uh, neighborhood in San Patel. So mm-hmm. um, and and yeah, we have very good neighbors. Uh, the people that I've met here so far are fantastic people. Yeah. Well, um, welcome. Listen, welcome I, to Winnipeg. I, I listen. I don't want to make this clear. I love this city. I truly do. Uh, if I didn't love the city, I wouldn't be so wound up about this. I just think we have to. We have to. And and listen. Maybe you know, uh, Chief Danny Smythe said on on Friday. Um, you know, there's nothing new. Well, you know what? Um, I know there's nothing. Uh, maybe there's nothing new with with violent crime. It continues to rise. Maybe that's you know, there's nothing new with that. But these incidents at the Forks have made me realize that we can't continue to settle for the status quo. We, we have to figure this out, and we have to work harder at figuring it out. And that's why I'm sort of focusing in on, on solutions today. Andy, I hope you're staying Winnipeg is a good one. Thanks for calling in. I really appreciate it. Thank you very much. Bye. All right, and let's uh, squeeze Corey in here at 204-780-6868. Yes, Corey. Hi there. Um, I just I don't listen to your show often, but I just happened to be driving and picked up. And I think a lot of good points have already been made. I think um, one of the things that I've heard recently, not to push a certain mayoral candidate, but I've heard a little bit about Trump talking about using social enterprise to deal with some of the issues uh, that both first responders and particularly the police have to deal with on such a regular basis. I'm sure you know that there are so many uh, individuals that have repeat calls, if not uh, weekly, some of them even daily. And some of those things just need to be, I think, addressed on an individual by individual basis. And some of the long term, like the mental health cases that have been uh, brought But one of the things um, I think that people are a little bit lost now with all, especially with the pandemic and and just the increased cost of living, that if we could put people to work, uh, someone talked about fixing potholes. Well, there's lots of opportunities for upgrading uh, some housing, particularly maybe in our poor neighborhoods, doing insulation work, redoing shingling, all kinds of things that could learn, people could learn skills and get them involved instead of just 
being out on the streets and lost and and literally getting into trouble to have you know three squares a day or whatever i yeah. think that the, the idea of social enterprise like putting people to work would take money out of the essentials that the police need to operate for the work that they do need to do and so much more could be done on a social basis and and putting money into community groups that could give these people uh, sort of a, a better motivation to improve their own life, not in our standards, but in in what would uh, give them stability and a decent place to live and all that kind of thing. I think that's a really key thing that people have to have a viable alternative to the lifestyle they're living in order to not be turning to crime for literally entertainment. So I, I think that's just a, a little thought that I had, and I don't have a specific, but those kind of ideas I think are important to, to work on the, the background of why these things are happening. Agreed. And, Absolutely. And yeah, that's one of the... That's one of the complex parts of this problem that we need to address and do a better job of. I agree with you completely. Um, and, and it is a, one of the ways to solve this violent crime issue. Corey, I really appreciate the call. Thanks can a lot. Can I uh, as, one quick yeah, go ahead. Sure. Some of that financing for the police, it would cost a lot less for social enterprise organizations to do that kind of work definitely than the police officers who I completely respect the work that they do and I think that the price that we save in human life with the, the tank kind of truck that they use for dangerous takedown situations and the helicopter that can prevent a lot of car cases where innocents are getting hurt, I think those are not bad investments. That's just my take. Thank you for your Thank time. you, Corey. Appreciate it. Thanks a lot. We are going to shift gears after a break here. We're going to Take a break to check the weather. Before we break, I want to play a, a, a piece here of audio uh, as we shift gears away from the violent crime in Winnipeg, the increase in violent crime, rising violent crime in the city of Winnipeg, to the Rogers outage on Friday. And we're going to talk to a technology expert after a break. But today, the industry minister will meet with the head of Rogers about what happened on Friday. Francois Philippe Champagne will have a virtual sit-down with Rogers CEO Tony Steffieri today. He's also asked the leaders of other telecom companies to attend to discuss the importance of improving the reliability of Canada's networks. Of course, this all comes after Friday's outage that lasted 15 hours and saw customers unable to use their cell and internet services and even prevented people from calling 911 and using their debit cards. Champagne called the outage unacceptable. Staffieri apologized and said the company is focused now on preventing a disruption like this from happening again. Networks are what matter in our industry and that is my and all of us here at Rogers are number one priority. As for service, while most has been restored, Rogers says they are still aware of some lingering issues. Sandy Salerno, Global News. And a text message from Brett just now on the Rogers outage at 204-780-6868. He says, Hal, it's like everyone uh, is up in arms about the Rogers service on Friday. Yes, I've been a Rogers customer with the same phone number since December of 1989. Well, that's long term. Uh, Brett says in the past 15 months, there have been two outages it was horrible a horrible failure but to put a positive spin on it that means rogers has been 
helpfully serving Canadians 99.6% of the time. It's about perspective. I'd rather look at the positive side instead of dwell on the negative. Uh, point taken, Brett, but still, and I'll just say this about my experience with Rogers. Don't get me started on utilities and uh, they, I, I have run-ins with all of them, but I will say this about Rogers. You know, they, they had the big outage on Friday and we're supposed to understand and please, you know, we feel really bad about this. Yet when I've made that argument with Rogers in the past, I have received very little compassion from that company and that's why I switched. And I guess that's what we can do as consumers. David Papp is a technology expert. His website is davidpapp.com. That's P-A-P-P for his last name.com, davidpapp.com. David, good morning. Hey, good morning. Thanks for doing this. I appreciate it. So the industry minister is going to meet with the head of Rogers today. Some of the other networks will be involved in that virtual get-together as well. Anything going to come from that, do you think? No, I mean, what they're doing is putting on a show to make it look like they care, but honestly, the problems are much bigger than that and can't be fixed overnight. I mean, I do appreciate that it's coming in the spotlight, that we do have an issue where, you know, the big three, Bell, Rogers, and TELUS, control 90% of our our cell phone mobility coverage in Canada, which is very unlike any other country. I mean, we pay the highest rates in the world for our cell phone coverage. And so... What have we learned from what happened on Friday? What, what's the headline for you, a technology expert here a few days later? <laughs> I laughed on that, Hal, because, number one, they said it was due to a maintenance upgrade. You talk to any technician, and you know that you don't do upgrades on a Friday because chances are it's going to break, and then, you know, you can't get a hold of anybody like the vendors or any support you need, and meanwhile, you're down the entire weekend, which is what happened in this case. Uh, Secondly, it's the whole notion of this single point of failure. How does a single upgrade to a manufacturer platform on their network take down everything nationwide? Clearly, they don't have things broken out with proper redundancy and failover, and they're relying on a lot of single points of failure throughout their entire network. So that's the change then, right, that has to happen. We need more providers. <laughs> As you said, we've got the big three right now. Maybe we need more providers. But there need to be backups to the backups, right? Well, absolutely. And this is a problem that's been identified numerous times on the Internet. Everybody thinks the Internet is this big, robust thing. But in, in reality, it isn't. It has many single points of failure throughout. And You know, just a simple software upgrade like this takes down an entire country's network for 10 million people. Come on. Like, clearly, there's some problems in the way that they've architected their network. Mm -hmm. And so what can we do then um, to protect ourselves? Like, I was bragging on Friday. I'm probably probably the last guy to carry cash in my wallet. But I was bragging (laughs) on Friday because I was carrying cash. But what can we do aside from carrying cash and maybe having a burner phone? Like, what can we do? So um, ever since COVID hit, we're seeing a huge move to this work from home, this reliance on having Internet connectivity. This is a big one, Hal, but I would, I would urge people not to go for the big bundles where all of your services are with one provider but rather make sure that your cell provider is different than your home internet provider. Don't go for the bundle, especially if you work from home. Use somebody else for your home internet than you use for your cell phone. 
That's a good one. That's interesting that you would say that because, you know, the way it is now, we, we do go for those bundles, right? And we've only got the big three, like you said. Uh, yeah, we've got, I mean, I had zero issues working from home on Friday because I was with another provider and I, I was okay. Absolutely. Same here. Um, and I do that on purpose uh, and always have. In fact, uh, for those people who work from home, it's actually getting to the point where you might want to consider having a second internet connection. I mean, if your livelihood remains on the fact that you've got this, call it $100 a month internet connection, and, and that is your source of income, maybe you want to have a second one with a different provider. That is so funny that you say that because I have a provider and and they're great and I love them. I had to beef it up uh, when I started working from home in order to do my show and I just found out that Bell MTS in the area is upgrading the internet to the point where I could use that and I said to Jackie, my wife Jackie, I said, you know what? I might pay the extra 50 or 60 bucks just to know that I got a backup in case one of them goes down. Absolutely, Hal. This is becoming common practice. It's actually very common practice for businesses because they rely so much on their internet now because everything is on the cloud, you know, with Microsoft Office 365 Mm -hmm. and everything. So I think individuals should be doing this now that we are working from home and we, this is our livelihood. News you can use from David Papp. David, thanks a lot for this. It's been too long. We'll have you back soon. Anytime, Hal. Have a great day. David Papp is a technology expert. His website's a great one, davidpapp.com, davidpapp.com, davidpapp.com. Right now on the phone, Barrett Miller from Fort White Alive. Barrett, good morning. Good morning, Hal. How are you? Excellent. You are always so great about jumping on to talk animals. So when I heard about the great escape and you said, hey, we're looking to get the word out, Hal, I'm happy to have you on. So let's start with the great escape. Tell us about it. So the great escape is our uh, summer social event that happens outdoors. It is a summer camp for grown-ups, and it is coming up a little bit later this month on July um, 21st. So July 21st, that's a Thursday, we're going to be open after hours. We're going to have all the fun that folks remember from camp or wish they might have had at camp back in the day available for people to come and do things at Fort White. Summer so, camp for grown-ups. I love it. Summer camp for grown-ups. Lots of little games and contests, some great music. Uh, we'll have three rides running. It's always a good event, and uh, it has been two years since I managed to have one, though, um, you know pandemic put a lot of things on hold we're really sure. happy that we can bring this back for folks this summer so yeah that's coming up and uh tickets are selling fast and we wanted folks to know that they are in fact selling fast and we are able to do the great escape again all right the great escape fort white alive people should just go to the the website barrett is that the best way to get tickets and details it's available on the website Okay, great. Your phone's breaking up a little bit. I, I, we sometimes have this problem. If you can move around a little bit, it might help. Um, by the way, you know, the great escape, camping for grown-ups, and the, the good thing about this, especially for first-time campers or people that have never camped before, right, they might be a little nervous about going out in the middle of nowhere and doing it. This is a way to do it, and you've got the security of the fact that you're doing it with all the experts like you at Fort White, and you're doing it basically here in the city of Winnipeg. 
Oh, yeah. And at the Great Escape, in a little bit of a more party atmosphere with folks around who are in the same boat as you. Um, any of our courses at Fort White are a good intro for anybody looking to venture further away from home. Because as you say, it does happen kind of in the urban backyard with people around to support you on that. So it's a great place to come and try canoeing or kayaking for the first time, for instance, or join a birding group to take a walk around and see if birding is for you. So all good things that uh, we offer to folks who are looking to begin their outdoor adventures in our great province. The Great Escape later this month at Fort White Alive. Go to the website to get tickets and, and more details. I think it's twenty dollars, isn't it, Barrett? Which is really That's reasonable. Correct. Yep. That yep. is correct. That gets you in the door, and there's lots of food and drink options once you're here. Cool. Animal yeah. questions. Um, I did want to ask you this one. I think this one came from Chris earlier on. I asked people if they had any animal questions, knowing you were coming on. Chris says, "How? What's with all these little bunnies in Winnipeg in Western Manitoba?" All we ever had was gangly jackrabbits. I've never seen these fluffy little bunnies except in a pet store. Are they released pets? Have they gone wild, or are they actually native to the area? Oh, no. They are eastern cottontail rabbits. They are a wild rabbit. Um, The reason that you don't see them out on the prairies is they just aren't prairie animals. Um, They thrive inside the city because we, as people, provide so much food in the form of gardens and lawns, hedges, and we keep the predator population low. Now, Winnipeg does have uh, animals that eat meat. We do have hawks and owls, foxes and coyote, but not the same kind of predator pressure that a rabbit faces in the wild. Out on the prairies, it is jackrabbit territory. A little bit further east and north, it is snowshoe hare territory. In fact, here at Fort White, right around our buildings in the forest, we have the eastern cottontail, the little fluffy bunnies. You take a walk up towards our bison, and all of a sudden, as soon as the trees stop and the grass starts, it's jackrabbit time. So we are right on the edge of where that eastern cottontail survives and thrives. And certainly, if you come from Westman into the city, yeah, the rabbits are going to look quite a bit different than what you're used to. Hmm. We often talk about the weather, and we, we have talked, you know, in the winter when it gets really cold or we get lots of snow, how that impacts animals. We've talked about the really wet spring and how that impacted animals uh, in, in and around the city and in the province. And I'm curious to know, we've had some hot, humid weather. We're going to get more of it this week. How does that impact the animals? Oh, much like it would us. Everybody feels a little bit more stressed. Now, some animals don't seem to really mind at all. Um, a lot of animals will seek water or shade to cool off, they're, they're smart about it. They will actually find those shady areas. They'll sleep away the hottest parts of the day and become even more active at dawn or dusk or at night if that's an option for them. So because they're not tied to a 9-to-5 type clock, I actually think in some ways they handle the heat a lot better than we humans do. Um, now, certainly animals with big, heavy coats... Um, like a coyote, for instance, they're going to act extra lazy and be a little bit more on edge in the heat. Something like, oh, a squirrel, they're just going to siesta away the hottest parts of the day and choose to be a little bit more active when it's a little bit cooler out. All right. Barrett, thanks a lot. We'll have you on soon. I promise I'll have more animal questions for you, but I really want people to check out The Great Escape later on this month at Fort White Alive. You're always there for us. Anytime you need help promoting something, you just let me know. Thank you very much, Hal. Take care. Have a great morning.
Canada's industry minister meeting with the head of Rogers today about the outage on Friday. We were talking to David Papp, uh, one of our technology experts, about it about uh, half an hour ago. And let's bring in here Jerry the medic, Jerry Desjardins, uh, who has a long list of jobs, but he is also a volunteer firefighter. Jerry, good morning. Good morning, Hal. You were telling you were telling me on Friday. Um, in order to get your fire calls, you went and got a burner phone. I guess everybody did what they had to do on Friday. Well, you never thought being with emergency services that you'd have to have a plan B sometimes, but it appears uh, after Friday you had to. And I was in Winnipeg uh, picking up fire department supplies from my fire department at Whitechell Fire, and I'm going, okay, what's up with this phone? Why is it not working? So then, uh, you know, I look at Andrea and I'm going, what's up with your phone? And she says, well, it's not working either, right? So I thought, well... Um, traditionally in the past we got uh, most of our fire calls off our pager if you didn't have a pager maybe you had one of the fire department radios so you could hear your calls coming in and ideally they only work for a range of say 25 maybe 35 kilometers so it's fabulous if you're in your coverage area you can still hear your calls and get your calls but with myself being in Winnipeg with a lot of my guys and uh, and lady on the fire department um, they're contractors, they're maybe not within their coverage area, uh, and so we have a new app that was developed by a, a local uh, firefighter and his partner in Manitoba, and the majority of volunteer firefighters went to that to get their calls. Problem being is, you know, whatever carrier on, sure, you're going to get it, but on Friday with a majority of my people being on the Rogers, um, you know, network, we weren't getting any of our calls. So now I'm in Winnipeg. Sure, I'm going to get supplies and come closer to the Falcon Westock you know, area, but I'm still not going to get my calls until my pagers say can pick it up or my two-way radio. So it was a major dilemma. Yeah, and, uh, you know, this is why the industry minister is meeting with the head of Rogers today and why other uh, heads of other networks are being asked to join in as well. Listen, it's convenient when you can't make, it's inconvenient when you can't make a call or, boy, i got to go to an ATM and get some cash because I can't tap to pay for what I want to buy. But when 911 doesn't work, right, and we saw that on Friday, and when you as a volunteer firefighter can't get that fire call, this is a big deal. It is. And, and, you know, I was racking my brain going, okay, what am I going to do? There's got to be a quick solution to this. Um, so I contacted my friend Sean at Visions on Feminine and going, okay, this is my dilemma. What's the solution, right? And he says, get down here. He says, I'm going to fix you up. And he did fix me up, and he had me up and running, you know, within 10, 15 minutes. And I'm going, fabulous. You know, now I can get my calls. Sure, I'm still in Winnipeg, but as I'm coming back now, and I'm going to be able to respond. And then, you know, I get out to Falcon Lake area and uh, I'm still up and running. Sure, I have a pager backup, but a lot of my members on the department don't have the pagers anymore. They got to be too expensive to have. Uh, they weren't 100% reliable and we had breakage problems and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. the majority yeah. of my people, they're all on, on this app now. And if you're on Rogers, you are really screwed. Yeah. Jerry, thanks a lot. Appreciate it. Uh, we'll let you go here right out of time. We're up against the 1130 News. Uh, now, there's a cost, right? Jerry goes and gets a burner phone, um, but there's a cost involved. Pat called in or texted in earlier when we were talking to David Papp, who was saying, you know, maybe if you're working from home, it might be worth paying for a backup Internet uh, provider. Pat says, Hal can't afford one. 
never mind two. Well, that's, you know, there's a cost involved, and that's unfortunate. But I guess if you're working from home, maybe it's worth the investment. But I hear what you're saying, Pat. 